roughly 90 something percent of people have sex between 1030 and 1130 at night. People out there may not know what a chronotype is. What it really means is early bird, night owl, things like that. You got 50% bears, you got 15% lions, you got 15% wolves, you got 10% dolphins. He wants to have meetings based on people's chronotypes, right? Because they'll be more productive. Cancer cells multiply faster the more sleep deprived you are. You would be shocked. I can change your metabolism with light. I can change your sleep with light. I can, I can change your ability to become sexually aroused with light. Every single person needs 15 minutes of sunlight every morning. Everybody. You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, visit naturalstacks.com. Ryan Muncy is probably the smartest guy I know. Trust me, Muncy is the nutrition guy. Ryan Muncy's out there trying to make the world better for all of us. The Optimal Performance Podcast is bold, edgy, creative, entertaining, and epic. Ryan Muncy is my go-to guy. Ryan Muncy is he's the first guy I call. He's making people's lives better. Ryan Muncy's an innovator. What's up, everybody? Ryan Muncy, your host here on the OPP. Thank you, as always, for joining us. We've got a really cool episode for you today. We are talking with Dr. Michael Bruce who is known as the sleep doctor. You may have seen him on CNN talking to Anderson Cooper. You may have seen him on the Dr. Oz show. He's one of the thought leaders that drove Google's prioritization of sleep. He is also the author of an amazing book called The Power of When. Dr. Bruce looks at chronotypes and helps us discover the best time to do anything. So before we get to Dr. Bruce and this really cool episode of the OPP, a couple of housekeeping notes. Number one, as always, go to naturalstacks.com. You'll be able to see the blog post for this episode. We will have links to Dr. Bruce's book, The Power of When. We'll have links to his website, The Sleep Doctor. We'll have a link to the quiz where you can discover your chronotype. That is thepowerofwhenquiz.com. All the studies, everything that that we talk about, all these rabbit holes that you can go down on your own, um, we will have links to all that stuff. Also, go to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. Let us know how much you like the show. These reviews really do help the show. And if we read yours on the air, we're going to hook you up with free Natural Stacks products. Right now, I want to read one from Gabmot. This was posted June 13th, 2017. Seriously, where has this been? Five stars. I've struggled with health and wellness for most of my 45 years. Finding an amazing exercise program began my journey, and along the way, I found Natural Stacks and this podcast. This evidence-based philosophy and genuine desire to help people understand the why and how without the hype has been my source of truth. Thank you, and please keep doing what you're doing. Gabmot, we are so grateful for your support. I thank you for trusting us to be a part of your journey. And I thank you for taking the time to write that review. Email me, ryan at naturalstacks.com. We will reciprocate the love and we'll hook you up with some stuff to help you on your journey. For the rest of you guys listening, go to iTunes, leave us a review, and share the OPP. It is so easy now to share podcast episodes and 
uh, podcasts in general, wherever you listen, whether it's SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, they have little links where you can copy the link to that episode and share it. You know, you can send it to a, to a friend in a text message, tell them, hey, check this one out and subscribe. You can post it on social media, whatever works for you. I will be forever grateful for you, not only for being here, but for sharing this and helping us grow this community so that we can help more people. That's it. We're going to turn it over to Dr. Bruce now. Enjoy this one. Thanks for listening, guys. Dr. Bruce, thanks for hanging out with us on the podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me, Ryan. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're looking forward to this one. You know, sleep is something that we have talked about a lot on the show. Uh, we talk a lot about focus and productivity. We talk a lot about hacks and, and how we can get the most out of our lives. But you know, when I came across your work and the things that you're teaching people and helping people do, I was really fascinated and I knew we had to have you on the show because <laughs> I want to hear, you've sort of figured out a system for learning your own type, you know, that, that whole know thyself and you know, the best time to do anything. How did you stumble onto these chronotypes and what did you discover? Well, it's kind of interesting. So um, chronotypes have been around actually for quite a while. Um, the first person to think through that idea was back in the early 70s. Um, and uh, there's a lot of data actually published on it. Now, people out there may not know what a chronotype is. So let's, let's kind of redefine that. Um, it's kind of a big fancy scientific word. But what it really means is early bird, night owl, things like that. And so almost everybody's heard of somebody being called an early bird or a night owl. So people have actually known about the idea behind chronotypes for a very long period of time. So just to be super clear, there have always been actually three chronotypes, although most people have only heard of the, the far ends of the spectrum, right? The early bird or the night owl. There's always actually been one in the middle that's called the hummingbird. Historically, that's what we've called it in the scientific literature. And what I did was I felt like insomniacs had a different type of chronotype in them. And so I felt like that was something that needed to be added. And there's literature and data, not that I did, this is from other scientific researchers out there that identifies that insomniacs do in fact have uh, some type of a chronotype. And so what I wanted to do was I wanted to put all four of them in one place and be able, have people be able to identify which one they fell into. Because what we discovered was over 300 studies looking at chronotypes and finding out from a timing perspective when might make sense for them to do certain things. So it's very, very interesting to start to look at the actual science behind each one of those things. You know, a perfect example is uh, having sex, right? And so people always ask me, you know, Michael, when's the best time to have sex, right? And so it's interesting when you think about it. So roughly 90 something percent of people have sex between 1030 and 1130 at night. That's just when it happens. That has to do with availability, right? You're there, they're there, not wearing as many clothes, lights are off, you interested? Yeah, sure, why not? And then there you go, right? I mean, that's how a large portion of sex happens. But if you look at from a hormonal standpoint, like when are your hormones primed and ready? It's actually almost the opposite time. So the hormones that you need are estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, adrenaline, and cortisol need to be high and you need melatonin to be low right? Well, I'll give you one guess what they look like between 10.30 and 11.30 at night. 
the exact opposite of what you just said they need to look like. Exactly. Yeah, because we know cortisol peaks in the morning to help us get Ex- out of bed. Exactly. Right. And so, and so, you know, when you start to look at these kind of weird scenarios, you're like, wow, I wonder, like, if people knew that their natural biological hormones were going to be at a certain point in a 24 hour cycle, then they'd want to take advantage of that. And so that's really what the book is about. It's about once you know what your chronotype is, you know, when your hormones turn on and turn off. And then it's literally a matter of, you know, matching those hormones to different activities. So is morning sex not only a great way to start the day, but is it a better way to possibly conceive if you're trying to have a child? That's an interesting question. I don't know if anybody's ever done that uh, research before, but I can tell you um, that we know, uh, for example, if somebody was having erectile dysfunction or low sperm count, you know, it's called morning wood for a reason, right? You know, so many, many, many men wake up with an erection in the morning. And so if that's not mother nature saying, this is the time to do that, I don't know what is, you know what I'm saying? Well, that's also an enormous indicator, probably not the best choice of words there, um, a great indicator of men's health. I mean, if you're not waking up with an erection, that's a sign that testosterone and and hormones may be off. Mm -hmm. Uh, Vitality is not where you want it to be. Absolutely. All right. So let's let's digress from that. We'll come back to (laughs) your chronotypes. Before we we discuss the four that, that you've put in the book, Mm-hmm. From a scientific standpoint, what causes these variations in our biological clocks? They're genetic, it turns out. I focused a lot of my reading and, uh, and, and book on the period three gene or the PER3 gene. The length of this gene helps determine something called sleep drive, right? So our bodies want to not only go to sleep, but the length of the sleep period. And uh, that, a lot of that is focused within the for the PER3 gene. And so that's what I talk about a lot in the book. But it turns out there's probably close to 80 different markers out there, uh, genetic markers that can help us understand more about that. You know, if you look at 23andMe, right, you know, the company where you can give them your saliva and they give you your DNA, they're now actually putting forth testing um, and reports to tell people, are you more of a morning person or an evening person? And how do you, how do, you do that? Nice. That was going to be actually my next question as soon as you said 80 different genes that are involved in this. So, um, I have a 23andMe report. I need to go back and look at it and see if what's a new report. It's a new one. So okay. if you go back in, you, I think you, you might have to like click a button that says, you know, I want all the latest and greatest or whatever. Yeah. And then it, it'll come to you. Yeah, it's pretty it, cool. It would be really interesting to look at their recommendation for me and see if it matches up to what I got when I took your quiz. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing is you got to remember is I got a 35 question quiz, right. you know, they've got, you know, the, the micro, the genome. Right? <laughs> right. So they're infinitely going to be more um, accurate in, in certain ways than I am. And without being, you know, when you write a book, you can't say, Oh, by the way, before you have this book, can you spit in this cup for me? And then we'll figure it all out for you. Right. You know, it, doesn't, it doesn't really work that way. No, I understand completely. And, and for everybody, and this is something that, that I wanted to, to cover sort of after we talk about the, the four types, you know, is that, these aren't boxes. This is a spectrum and it's, you know, That's absolutely it's somewhere on the spectrum. But with that said, tell us the four types that you've put in, in the book and, and that you're, you know, helping people uh, utilize to their advantage. Sure. So um, the first one is a lion and this replaces the idea of an early bird. And, uh, but I, I can give you a little bit more uh, color commentary, if you will, surrounding a lion. So lions are my uh, go to bed early, wake up early people. They're, they're getting up, you know, 4.35 o'clock, 
they're sending, you know, 20 emails before, you know, you even thought about brushing your teeth type of thing. Um, they're type A personalities, usually highly intelligent. They're usually the COOs. They, they're operators. Um, they're not necessarily the people with the vision for a company, but they're the people who say, there's a hundred things that need to get done. I can manage all of these other people. They don't necessarily get the work done. That's a different chronotype, but they, they do have a tendency to be great managers. They are usually fairly health conscious individuals. They have a tendency to work out quite a bit. But the downfall of being a lion is dinner and a movie is out because you're exhausted. I mean, you've been up since 530 in the morning, for God's sakes. Who wants to stay out till 11, you know? Um, so socially, there's a, there's a disconnect oftentimes for many lions that are out there. Uh, you know, and it's funny because some of the people that I've done podcasts before have told me that they were lions and they felt so vindicated that because they could tell their partner, look, there's a reason why I can't make it to these things. It's I'm a lion for God's sakes, you know, that kind of stuff. So, so we know a lot about lions. Lions are, are a lot of times the leaders. The next chronotype, which replaces the hummingbird is a bear. A bear is really works on the solar cycle. And by the way, it's a bear's world. Bears are the best chronotype to be because so much of society works around a bear's schedule. Lions make up about 15% or so. Bears make up about 50, 55%. Of the, of the population. So there are a lot. Now, however, you can be a hybrid within a bear. You can lean more towards being a lion or lean more towards being a wolf. As, as you correctly noted, it's a spectrum, right? And so when you kind of think about that as, as an idea, bears, they are my extroverts. These are the people that get work done. These are the villagers, if you will. Uh, one way you could think about it is lions are the hunters of the village, okay? They're the ones who go out before dawn and make sure that the village has what they need. Bears are the villagers themselves. They make sure that the whole society is maintained. And then wolves are the security guards. They're the sentries because they're up late, right? And so they can guard the village, right? And, and this is actually historically, we think, how chronotypes actually developed, right? Mm -hmm. This was an evolutionary process. This wasn't just something that somebody made up one day and said, hey, look at this gene. Maybe it, maybe it does this. There was real utility behind, behind this whole idea. And that's what's so fascinating to me that you know, when we look at like the, the history of, of how our ancestors slept, you look at whether you want to call it ancestral health or paleo or whatever, mm -hmm. you're known as a sleep doctor. So you know a lot about how we've slept through history. Yes. We, we usually slept with, you know, maybe there was a fire burning and there was somebody standing guard. So, so this, this notion today that in order to get perfect sleep, that you have to have complete darkness, complete silence, that's not exactly how we evolved no. sleeping. No. Not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, when you look at sleep in particular, it's, it's quite a fascinating topic. Obviously, I've dedicated my career to it, but it's, uh, it is quite interesting sort of looking at the changes or the evolution of sleep itself. Everybody's butt got kicked uh, when Edison invented the light bulb. That just screwed everybody up because you could now work at night, right, when your body is, is supposed to be sleeping. And so that in and of itself is, uh, is very, very interesting. The second big thing was the ability to uh, rapidly transport across time zones, right? So the invention of the car, the train, uh, things like that, because, you know, your body is in one place, but you're, you know, I wish there was a knob like in the back of my head that I could just click to central time zone and click to Eastern time zone. Like, I think that would be great. Well, that's, that's probably a billion dollar invention. If you can figure <laughs> out like, I mean, the way biohacking is going and, right. and shifting with, you know, all these wearable technologies and it's moving right. towards, are we going to do chips and implants? And right, right. if you can figure out a way to integrate that and make it a, a chip and, and do it, I'm sure you'll have a lot of people that would buy it. Yeah. Well, jet lag is a big problem for a lot of folks, but those two things really had a, a very large impact on just the evolution of sleep. And so sleep, people started sleeping less, 
whether it was because their circadian clock was off due to the jet lag or because the lights are on and people are home, right? So I'm a wolf. I'm a late night person. Wolves uh, replace night owls, okay? And and by the way, the, the choice of animals wasn't arbitrary. Each one of these animals actually has this circadian rhythm in the animal kingdom. So lions wake up at dawn, their first kill is at dawn. Bears are more solar sleepers. Wolves are nocturnal creatures. Mm-hmm. And, and so wolves, they make about 15%. We are weird. We are not your kind of normal folks. We like to stay. I, I never go to bed before midnight. I just don't like to. We also know that wolves are very creative people. Um, they also have a tendency to be introverts. I'm not as much of an introvert as a lot of other wolves, but my wolves are my artists, my actors, my uh, authors, podcasters right? Uh, People who are out there who are creating stuff, these have a tendency to be my wolves. Entrepreneurs, oh my gosh, I have so many entrepreneurs that are wolves. And it's interesting because once their company reaches a certain level, they're not (laughs) effective anymore. They have to get a lion (laughs) come in and start to operate it. And they oftentimes will move into a CEO visionary kind of thing and let an operator come in who really is, you know, ding, 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 you know, making that stuff happen. Um, The final category are dolphins. I chose dolphins because dolphins sleep unihemispherically. So half of their brain is asleep while the other half is awake and looking for predators. And I thought that made a lot of sense to represent my insomniacs because it feels like dolphins are never quite asleep, right? And that's a lot of how my insomnia patients will, will... come to me and they'll be like, you know, that's, that's what it is. And so dolphins make up about 10% of the population. So dolphins are a lot like lions. They're uh, type A personalities, highly intelligent, highly driven. Uh, the, the biggest issues dolphins have is they have just enough neuroticism or obsessive compulsive disorder or, or kind of those, those types of not necessarily disorder, but maybe those behaviors that can really stop them from completing tasks and not get them to the places that they want to be. Dolphins are almost always self-described insomniacs. Dolphins are um, great friends, super loyal people, wonderful people to have, but they don't feel good a lot of the time. Um, And that's difficult. That's really interesting. So I want to sort of talk about the optimal time for each of those to to do certain things. Let's start with wolves because you're a wolf. Um, <laughs> walk us through maybe your schedule. You you never go to bed before midnight. You know, I don't. What yeah. time What time are you getting up? What does a typical day look like for you in terms of maybe not what your schedule is now, but if you could set up the ideal day? Sure, 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 sure. Well, I and so the good news is in the book, I actually do give people for each chronotype what is the perfect day in the life of a lion or a bear or a wolf or, or things like that. And so so we've got those schedules. For you guys listening, we will have a link to the book on the show notes for this podcast. Go to naturalstacks.com. You guys will be able to grab the book. It's the power of when. In a wolf's world, so I'm a little bit of a weird wolf, and I'll tell you why. I don't need a tremendous amount of sleep. I have been a six and a half hour sleeper, six and a half to seven, almost my entire life. So I go to bed at midnight, I'm up at 6.30. Um, That's very atypical for a wolf. Um, many, many wolves won't go to bed until one, two o'clock in the morning, and they, they won't want to get out of bed until nine, mm-hmm. right? Now I've got social constraints and practice and all the other things that I do. So that prevents me from really being able to do that. But generally speaking, wolves will be up late, 1230, one o'clock, sometimes even later, and they will definitely want to sleep in. Um, wolves do great on the mid shift or the night shift. Um, in many cases, wolves do good in entertainment industries because those don't really kind of start kicking into gear until 
much later, like at, you know, nightclubs and mm-hmm. dance places and, and things like that. That's why they're oftentimes the musicians or the artists or the actors or things like that, because they, they've naturally adapted to that, that kind of schedule that goes with those types of jobs. But yeah, that's what I do. And then I, I can't exercise, however, early in the morning. Like, and that's a typical wolf characteristic. Mm-hmm. I can't really start exercising until like maybe 9, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning because my brain is not awake at 6. I mean, I get up at 6.30 and I'm functioning and I'm doing different things. But from a coordination standpoint, it would be a disaster to have me go for a run you know, at 6.30 in the morning because I'm very likely to trip, fall, not see something, that kind of stuff, you know? Right. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of when you start to look at a wolfish, it's all shifted, you know, it's all later. Uh, whereas a lion, it's all earlier, right? So a lion would be almost the opposite of me. A lion might wake up at 4.30 in the morning and they might be, it might be a perfect time for them to go for a run because they're on it and they're ready to roll. Interesting little fact, uh, one of the things I do with a lot of my lions, if they say they can't make it, up late, I have them exercise in the latter part of the day and it gives them energy and then they can make it later if they need to. So it's kind of a little hack, if you will, that people seem to like. And that would normally be what, like maybe work out at four, five, 6 p.m.? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I've noticed that. I've, I've through my life of lifting or, or working out, if I work out at that time of day, I do notice that I'm up later. And that, that was going to be another question I have is, you know, can the same individual find themselves falling into different patterns? Because I know, like, I think back to like, maybe 2008, 2009, when I lived in New York, I was in the modeling scene and sort mm-hmm. of catering and doing a lot of things that were in that entertainment industry. Right. And I never went to bed before midnight. Right. I never really got up before eight or nine. Right. And, and now I'm like the oldest young man you'll ever meet. I go to bed <laughs> at nine or 10 and I'm up. You know, and, and, and when I took the quiz, I got bear, but I would consider myself sort of bear lion. lion. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Because, for sure. I mean, I'm, dinner in a movie for me is like, that's like, that's a big deal. Right. <laughs> right. right. And, uh, and you may have, and, and you might have been very cuspy on the quiz. So it, it literally only takes one or two questions to throw you into bear versus lion. And, and I will also say that some people are forced into a schedule, Right. right. You know, and so it's like, you know, if my kids have to be up at 630, it doesn't really matter what time I want to wake up. Um, <laughs> my kids have to wake up at 630. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's very different. So, and, and that's one of the questions I have for you is, you know, if, if our social constraints or, or our jobs require us to follow, you know, a, a social structure that doesn't necessarily fit with this chronotype, you know, how do we reconcile that? Okay. So that's hard. And so the first thing I do with people is I ask them to have the most important people in their lives take the quiz. Because if you have a bed partner or children or spouse or whoever who's involved in your life, if they know that you're a night person and they're a day person, then you can actually find the times to connect. And actually, I talk about it quite a bit in the book. I talk about the best time to have a productive argument. I talk about the best time to talk to your children. I talk about the best time to fall in love. Right. I mean, like these are all times when we're so far apart in the way we're thinking, it's hard to connect. Right. And so uh, the book is really actually turned into a communication tool 
more than I had ever imagined. I mean, I thought I was writing kind of a cool biohacker-ish book, mm -hmm. right? That would be kind of fun and people would get a lot out of it and they could, you know, tweak this here and tweak this there, kind of more of a performance-related type of thing. Although sleep really was the, the primary driver behind it. And it turned out to be more of a communication style, which, which I think is very, very interesting. Certainly not the intent of the book, but, but, but the first thing I have people do is everybody in your life take the quiz that you, that you interact with and then start comparing your chronotypes. And people will start to give each other a little bit of slack, right? They'll be like, oh, right, Michael's a wolf. I'm talking to him at 8 o'clock in the morning. That's probably not where he needs to be. And it's interesting, like for my speaking engagements, with my speaking engagements, um, I, I'm much better speaker in the evenings. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I like breakfast talks are not my thing. I do not do those well. <laughs> so do you charge more for those or do you just try to <laughs> encourage people to, uh, to not book you for a morning talk? So what I do, it's funny that you asked that. So what I do is I, I, I'll usually start off the negotiation by saying, I'm a wolf. What are you? Right. And they'll be like, oh yeah, the quiz. And they'll either hurry up and take the quiz or they'll already know. And they'll be like, oh, I'm a lion. And I'll be like, so you already understand that if you want to get the best out of me, this is a night program, right? And they're all like, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense. <laughs> well done. Well done. It's funny. When I look at a lot of researchers who, who are talking about productivity and best times to do things now, mm -hmm. you know, one that comes to mind is, is Dan Airely. Airely. Psychology and behavioral economics, I think, are his specialties. He's at Duke. He says the first two hours of the day are the most important. That's when our brain's activity is, is at the highest. And now I'm not sure the full body or full scope of his research and, and what all went into saying that, but you know, is there, is there credence to that no matter what chronotype we have? No, there's not. Okay. So you, you have, you've absolutely positively must take chronotype in, in, involved in, in that kind of a, of a statement. Right. So first of all, I hate those big statements that say everybody, you know, everybody needs to get eight hours. Well, that's horseshit. No, not everybody needs eight hours. You know, everybody, the first two hours of the day is the most productive part of the day. If I'm a wolf and I've been forced to wake up at 630, I can guarantee you that the first two hours are not my most productive <laughs> hours of the day. Right. I can guarantee it. So, you know, when we read all these books about productivity and best mm -hmm. time to do this, best time to do that, or here's how you do this, you know, it's almost... I don't it should say, be like an asterisk right next to it that says, just check on your chronotype. Yeah, right. Okay. Okay. So then along those same lines, if we look at maybe like an Eastern philosophy, like mm -hmm. acupuncture or something like that, where you know, there are certain times of the day where they believe uh, that the body undergoes certain healing. Uh, I'll give you an example. Like, so, so they say that the liver detoxifies between 1 and 3 a.m. You know, so, so obviously they're saying that for everybody. Right. Is that sort of based on like just the chronotype that happens to be in the middle of that bell curve? So or? I so here's what I would argue is you got 50% bears, you got 15% lions, you got 15% wolves, you got 10% uh, dolphins, right? right. It's all going to because there's so many bears, it's going to come into that kind of arena. Right. And so that I think that's where a lot of that's coming from. I'd love to restudy their data and have them all take my quiz. I guarantee you yeah. We would see differences. <laughs> yeah, because I mean that's and that's the fascinating thing to me is you know as as you say, fifty to fifty five percent are bears. So if you're a bear, all this advice works. Yeah, and any other single group only accounts for fifteen percent of the population. So if if you have these people saying, well, wait a minute, this doesn't work for me, they're automatically an outlier. Their voice is sort of like, well, you're not the norm. 
Right. And, and, but, but maybe there are experimental flaws in those original studies. There's no question. Uh, well, it, it's just hard to make that kind of a sweeping statement. Right. When you, and my guess is, is that 99% of the biohackers or the researchers out there, they never even think about chronotype or take it into account. Uh, that's not all of them. I mean, I think we're definitely starting to get the word out to some of them now. Great example. Uh, I don't know if you know uh, Ben Greenfield. Yeah. Right. So Ben's a good friend and he loves this chronotype stuff because he's like, okay, this makes sense. Yeah. Right. Because he said, you know, there are times where I would give biohacking advice and people would write me and say, this doesn't work for me. And I never knew why. Mm -hmm. And so this actually can actually help all of those researchers and scientists out there because there is a only 50% of people are probably, it's probably going to work for. Right. Now, some authors might say, oh, well, hey, if I can get 50% of the, you know, 400 million population in the United States, I'm doing great, right? But I, I'm not interested in that. I, I'm interested in teaching people how to figure themselves out. And, and what's fascinating is if you look at biohackers in particular, they have a tendency to be in the extremes. Exactly. Uh, they have a tendency to be either early, early people or late, late people. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Ben's a good friend of ours. What's his chronotype? You know, I don't remember. Okay. Off the top of my head. I'll, I'll have Dr. to ask. Oz, I can tell you Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz is a lion. Um, okay. He's up that, super early in the mornings. He gets that makes sense. Done. Yeah, he's incredible. I don't know what Ben's is. It might be a bear, actually. But he and I talked about that as to like, you know, is it a spectrum? I, I, I want to say, because I saw Ben like three weeks ago at a conference, and uh, we had a good discussion about it, actually. Now, you've been on Dr. Oz quite a few times. Mm -hmm. You have been, you've, you've Spoken at Google, you've, you've sort of helped kind of popularize um, sleep there. Maybe you're the person responsible for the sleep pods that are so famously at <laughs> they, Google. They were there long before, <laughs> long before me, but that's a really cool company. I like the guy who runs that company. Talk that's about maybe what, what are some of the biggest points of resistance that you've had with people trying to um, educate you know, about chronotypes? People don't like being a bear. People have lion envy. That's what I've <laughs> discovered. People want to be that person that wakes up at 5.30 in the morning, you know, every morning. And, and I think that's because, the first of all, the world thinks wolves are lazy. I've been told I've been lazy from literally every person in my entire life. Why do you sleep all the time? You know, because it used to be I didn't, in my younger years, I would sleep a lot more. You know, once I reached adulthood, probably in the 25 age range, that's when I kind of just all of a sudden, six. I would like literally I would wake up after six hours, didn't matter what time I went to bed. I think that society doesn't like wolves because we don't want to get up at 5 a.m. and go for a run. You know, what we want to do is we want to, you know, sleep until, you know, 8.30, 9 o'clock and then casually roll out of bed and, you know, maybe put our slippers on. Like, by the way, we're raring to go at 11 o'clock at night. Right. Like, if you want to go see a band, go with a wolf because <laughs> we're going to have a great time. You know? It's so different. It's so interesting to me how these differences kind of fall into those categories. And, and I think it, it kind of goes into a little bit of some of this. There's a line of thinking that, you know, sometimes procrastination can be a good thing. Uh, sometimes working outside the, the confines of the nine to five, just because you don't work within those, those times doesn't mean that you're not productive, that you're not motivated. And, and even the people, you know, like you said, an argument for being a wolf and people who are intrinsically motivated and passionate about what they're going to, what they're doing. You're going to do the work regardless of what time it is. Right. How can, like, how could somebody who maybe was a wolf mm -hmm. convince their boss? Yeah. Well, it might be easier if they work at a startup and, you know, the right. boss gets it. But if you're, right. if you're in corporate world. 
I so I'll tell you, yeah, so I'll tell you an interesting story. So, um, so you, you uh, I don't know if you, uh, do you know uh, Dave Asprey? We do know Dave, yes. Yeah, so Dave can't get enough of this book. It's awesome. Um, so I, I gave him an early advanced copy. I've been on his podcast. Uh, he got so excited about this idea, he chronotyped his entire company. Okay. Wow. Okay. And he wants to have meetings based on people's chronotypes, right? Because they'll be more productive, mm -hmm. right? Like if you're, if you're a chronotype that is outside of the norm, so you're not a bear, you're a lion, you're a wolf, or you're a dolphin, just bringing the book and educating your boss. I'm not saying you have to buy the book. I'm just saying use the information in the book to, to explain to your boss and say, you know what? I'm going to be more productive for you if you let me come in at a certain time and let's run the experiment and see, give me two weeks at a time where I, where I, I determine and I'll be here for whatever my shift is, eight, 10 out, whatever it is. And let, let's look at my work product at the end of two weeks. I guarantee you it'll be better. And let me tell you something. There isn't a boss in the universe who isn't going to be like my employee is going to tell me when they're going to be more productive. Hallelujah. And the legend. <laughs> Um, now granted there are, there are, you know, certain shifts that occur in certain industries, right? So, you know, they're very locked and loaded. Like, you know, if you're a fireman, if you're a police officer or things like that, but other than those like locked and loaded ships, most bosses have a tendency to be very open eared when you talk about increasing levels of productivity. Right. Right. Absolutely. So Dr. Bruce, I know we've got about 10 minutes left. I want to get one more big question and then we'll get sort of to the wrap up stuff. Um, like we said, you've spoken at Google, you speak all around the world, you, you've been on Dr. Oz. If you were going to give one final lecture, mm -hmm. what would be the one thing that you would talk about or, or what would be the message you want to impart on listeners? Is this a personal lecture or is this a, a, a lecture of my thoughts and studies? Whatever you would want people to it, know. So I would say the, it would be more about my thoughts and studies. Um, and I would say that people need to remember how important sleep really is. It affects every organ system, every disease state. Um, cancer cells multiply faster the more sleep deprived you are. New study came out, okay? Like, this is serious shit, you right. know? Like, if you're ill or sick and you've got an issue going on, if you're not getting good sleep, your immune function is lowered. You're not gonna fight that disease well. Uh, and, and I'm not just talking about physical issues, I'm talking about emotional issues, I'm talking about spiritual issues. I mean. Everything you do, you do better with a good night's sleep. But that definition is going to be different for all of us, right? right? My definition of a good night's sleep is midnight to 6.45 in the morning. And I wake up and I'm, I'm, I'm in good shape. I'm not running a marathon, like I said, but I'm in good shape. Know what your sleep times are and, and make them as consistent as you possibly can. If there's one piece of advice across anything I've learned, it's the consistency of your wake-up time is most important. The second most important is the consistency of your bedtime. Wake up time resets that circadian clock every morning. Mm -hmm. And you know, you get the light in, it turns the melatonin off, and you're good to go. And that's really what kind of starts your day, right? Is that light influence. But if you can have a consistent bedtime and a consistent wake up time, your brain knows when to sleep. All right. And remember, sleep is healing. That's what that's what sleep is. Sleep is a healing of the body. It's a healing of the mind, of the spirit, of the soul, of, of, of the physical. It, that's what sleep does. And so uh, that would probably be what my lecture would be about. Okay. Now you mentioned the importance of light in the morning, aside from maybe just going outside and exposing yourself to sun. Which is a great idea, by the way. 15 minutes of sunlight in the morning is a great idea. Wear a robe, 
for anybody out there, put on a robe, don't walk out there in your boxer shorts. <laughs> what other light hacks uh, might you suggest? So I actually, I, I'll tell you, um, there's a company that I work with um, that's called Lighting Science Group. All right, lighting.science, I think is their website. There's no .com, science is the ending thing. Um, and they actually make uh, what they call biological lighting. And so I have specialty light bulbs in my bedside table that filter out the blue light so I don't get blue light at night. And I have specialty light bulbs in my bathroom that literally give me blue light in the mornings. So, you know, there's blue light is really fascinating because we learned really that there were these specialized cells in our eyeballs uh, called melanopsin cells. And these are very, very sensitive to a particular frequency of light between 460 and 480 nanometers, which falls into the blue color spectrum, if you will. And that's why we're all talking about blue light, blue light. Mm -hmm. it's, it's really about the nanometers. It has nothing to do with the color. Although perceptually, your eye does see it as a slight tinge of blue. That is medicine. Light is medicine. I can show you data where I can change people's, I, you would be shocked. I can change your metabolism with light. I can change your sleep. With light, I can, I can change your ability to become sexually aroused with light. I mean, the data is very compelling. I would argue that light is really something that we all should be taking into account. I think just like there's junk food, there's junk light. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and when we expose ourselves to it, it doesn't do us any good. Um, I actually fairly occasionally, but my son does this almost all the time. He wears blue blockers um, starting at about uh, nine o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. Because he likes to watch, you know, television on his computer or what have you. And I don't want that blue light influencing him right when he's trying to go to bed. I mean, it's hard to stop a teenager from sleeping because teenagers sleep. That's what they do. Um, but he, he reported to me after about two weeks of use, he said his eyes felt better. And uh, I think it lowers eye strain. I think that it just makes a lot of sense, really. Yeah, the eye strain is a big one. I wear blue blockers at night. And, uh, you know, I, I also wear contacts. So if I, mm -hmm. you know, when I'm taking the blue blockers off to take my contacts out. As soon as I take them off before I take my contacts out, I'm, I'm shocked at right. like, how much my eyes have adjusted in that period of time I've been wearing the blue blockers and how That's bright amazing. everything seems. Yeah. yeah. So here's a trick for you is go get one of those uh, light bulbs that filters out the blue light and put it into your bathroom. So that way, when you click it on, you're not getting this huge dose of light when you're taking your contacts out. It'll, it'll be much, it'll be very helpful for you. Right. We'll have to do that. Yeah. Dr. Bruce, where can our listeners get more of you? You can follow me on Facebook. Uh, it's The Sleep Doctor. You can follow me on Twitter. Again, The Sleep Doctor. My website is thesleepdoctor.com. So check them all out that way. The book has got its own website. The book is The Power of When. And if people want to take the quiz, it's just thepowerofwhenquiz.com. Nice, nice. Now, every guest on the show has to answer this question. We want to know your top three tips to live optimal. And mm -hmm. since you've already talked about sleep, I'm going to say that you cannot say sleep is one of the top three. Okay, fair but, enough. But have it noted that that would be one of your top three. If not, that would be my number one. But, so give, uh, us, give us two, three, and four then. Sure. So two would be hydration. There is so much data on being a well-hydrated human and how it can be so good for our whole uh, energy, metabolic process, things like that. That's number one, hydration. Number two, sunlight. Every single person needs 15 minutes of sunlight every morning everybody. Do you have to wear sunscreen for 15 minutes? No, you don't. Don't worry about it. 15, because sunlight, again, resets that circadian clock. Very, very important aspect. So I would say sleep is number one. Hydration is number two. Sunlight would be number three. And then the fourth one I would say is really be careful with caffeine. 
and I'm a fan. I, I have caffeine uh, maybe three times a week. You do not need caffeine first thing in the morning. Your body actually, it's a diuretic, so it dehydrates you even more. Most people don't know, but you actually breathe out almost a full liter of water every night in your breath. So you're waking up dehydrated. So the very first thing you do, chug that water. Don't drink coffee. Uh, if you wait about 90 minutes um, for your cortisol level to begin to drop, that's actually a perfect time to drink a small amount of coffee. A lot of people overdo it on the grande, super, macchino, whatever. And the problem is, is they're just ingesting just these copious amounts of caffeine. There's now data to show that if you, if you are taking in that much caffeine on a very regular basis, your brain won't function without caffeine. Like, dude, that's not good. No. So what happens on a hormonal level if you're taking in that caffeine as soon as you wake up? So it's almost, well, so here's the thing is in order to wake up and you actually mentioned it earlier in the podcast, your cortisol level has to be high. Right. Also, your adrenaline has to be high to just pull you out of a state of unconsciousness. Right. If you look at the, the power, if you will, or the potency of caffeine versus cortisol and adrenaline, right? It's like comparing weak tea to cocaine. Okay. Mm. Cortisol and adrenaline is 10 times, 20 times more powerful than caffeine's ever going to be. All you're doing is, is you're, you're pouring weak tea on the fire. It, it's not going to do you any good. It will, however, once you have enough of it in your system, give you the jitters, uh, make you talk too fast, uh, a lot of, uh, of the side effects of over-caffeinating. And the reason, by the way, it's not working in the morning is because your adrenaline cortisol are already there. Sure. Like, again, if you just wait 90 minutes, I mean, I'm not talking, you know, two days, 90 minutes to have your first cup of coffee, then you're going to be in much better shape. All right, Beautiful. One more question. You mentioned you don't need sunscreen if you go outside for, for 15 minutes, especially first thing in the morning. I don't have this written down because I just saw it. it, it this, this was a report that just came out in the last few days. Mm. Uh, I'm sure you've seen all the, the bullshit about the American Heart Association with coconut oil and all that. Yep. There was another one that's come out in the last 24, 48 hours about oh. vitamin D. Mm -hmm. It sounds I'm like... I'm a big fan of vitamin D, by the way. Yeah, and, and so are we. And, and it had to do with, I've only seen one. And, and what I gathered from this was that the insurance companies are tired of paying for vitamin D tests. It's now, it's either the fourth or fifth most requested yep. test I bet. That, that doctors are running, that, that, uh, that insurance companies are paying for. So now they're basically, they're taking this whole coconut oil approach again and, and saying that, you know, vitamin D supplements don't work. The test is bullshit. Uh, and they're basically trying to, you know, run this campaign to tell, you know, the public, you know, like right. stop worrying about this. Right. Um, I, I know you haven't had a chance to read it and it's not fair to ask you about, you know, stuff that maybe you haven't read, but so maybe that not that study specifically, but, you know, talk about the importance of vitamin D and, and sunlight and. You know, well, so there's two reasons why I think sunlight is important. One is to reset your circadian clock, right? That's critical, right? That's my sleep in me. That's the sleep doctor, you know, coming out. But number two, let me tell you something. Uh, invariably, if I have a patient that comes to me and they say they have fatigue, the first thing I check is their vitamin D. It's usually in the basement. As soon as we get them on supplementation, they feel better. You know, I mean, here's the good news is vitamin D isn't particularly expensive. Like D3, I mean, you can get it at Walgreens or Costco or wherever for a fairly reasonable price. Or you can get it from these guys, right? <laughs> get it Which from Natural Snacks, 5,000 IUs, yeah. Oh, well, so that's great. You know why? Because you don't see 5,000 in, in uh, a lot of other places. And that's actually a great number to give people. So I'm, I'm a big fan. If anybody out there is listening, get it from Stacks for sure. And it's, and it's in coconut oil. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day... The insurance companies should not be dictating what is right for our health, 
Okay. The research should dictate what's right for our health. And here's what the research historically has shown. I don't know about this new campaign or study, but historically has shown that a very large percentage of at least Americans, because that's the only study that I really remember off the top of my head, are vitamin D deficient. And that's a lot of reasoning is because we're not spending time outside. Mm -hmm. um, we've got a lot of sunscreen um, and we're not having, um, you know, opportunities to, to generate that vitamin D. So um, I'm a big fan. I mean, I take vitamin D, you know, so I mean, I don't see any reason why people shouldn't. Got it. Got it. One, one quick question then on sunscreen. As a medical professional, are you okay telling people not to wear sunscreen? Or so it, let's be you? super duper clear so I don't get yeah. a lawsuit going right, here. Right. Okay. So I'm talking about a 15 minute timed exposure to light. Okay. Nobody's going to get, I mean, I guess if you live in Arizona and it's 122 degrees, it's probably not a good idea to be outside. You can get your exposure to light by standing next to a window. Right. So let's be super duper clear. The okay. point I'm trying to make here is I want sun in your eyeballs. Yep. Uh, and I don't want you to say, I can't go outside because of X, Y, or Z. So as long as you get sun, whether it's coming through a window or whatever, go for it. And maybe I shouldn't have said that without sunscreen, you know, comment, because I'm sure somebody somewhere is now going to sue me for something like that. So I'm retracting the <laughs> don't use sunscreen for 15 minutes. Okay. I'm retracting. I have a redhead. Okay. For God's sakes. I mean, he's the most fair skinned kid in the universe. He's always got sunscreen on. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Dr. Bruce, thanks for hanging out with us today. For you guys listening, go to naturalstacks.com. You'll be able to see all of the links to the sleepdoctor.com, the power of win and the power of win quiz. We'll also have links to some of the studies that we talked about. I will find uh, what I found on vitamin D and share it with you guys there as well. I'll send it to you too, Dr. Bruce. Yeah. So you can check that out. I'm sure it's going to get around the internet the same way this coconut oil thing has. So there'll be a lot more of that. So, and then of course, as you guys listen to this, when you hear things that you, that jump out at you, that you know, you will benefit from that you wish your friends heard, share the podcast with them, say, Hey, you got to hear this. This will help you, you know, make sure your friends hear all of the information that we talked about today and go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. That's it. Thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you on the next show. Thanks, Dr. Bruce. Thanks for having me.